0: Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast, uh, today we're going to talk about a, a topic that I suppose it could have been easy to, to skip over and not really talk about because it's such a, a sensitive topic and it can be a triggering topic, uh, but it is a Eating Disorder Awareness Week uh, and it's something that we sat down and we discussed that we're going to, we're going to speak about. Uh, I'm here with our coach Ashley and in the podcast here we're going to talk about kind of what eating disorders are uh, we're going to speak about a few different types of eating disorders and maybe things to look out for when it comes to those eating disorders uh, we do want to preempt and put a disclaimer here that like we're not specialists in this area we're not doctors this is not a podcast where we want you to diagnose uh, yourself or try and treat This is simply just to raise awareness on the subject, on the topic. Um, Our goal from the podcast is that when you're listening to this, is that you have some understanding of what eating disorders are, uh, and you have some understanding of the different types that we're going to speak about, um, and you just have that knowledge with you uh, to take forward. Um, In the podcast as well, we're going to be, uh, Ashton has been brave enough to come on, she's going to speak about her own uh, experience uh, with an eating disorder. Uh, So, when it comes to eating disorders, there's, a couple, there's loads of different definitions that we have uh, and this is one from the Eating Disorders Association. Uh, so, eating disorders are a complex illness rooted in psychological and emotional distress where people use food and eating as a means of coping with seemingly insurmountable problems. They offer a mechanism of control in a life that seems out of control. Now that's just one definition, uh, but myself and Ashton board agree uh, it's, it's a good definition of an eating disorder. Um, when it comes to the topic itself, as I said, it is an area that we work uh, hesitant to speak about uh, for a number of different reasons. But uh, I want you to take the podcast for what it is, uh, and we do we do hope it helps some bit. So there are a number of different eating disorders, uh, and we could spend all day talking about the different ones. But the few we're going to cover today are going to be anorexia. We're going to talk about bulimia. We're going to talk about binge eating disorder and just one that isn't necessarily classed as a disorder, but orthorexia that I'd, I'd like to raise awareness with too. So, Ashling, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, mm. You're going to chat a little bit first just about what uh, eating disorders are and, and explaining them.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to start with anorexia because that is the one that I have experienced myself and I'm going to talk a little bit later about that but I think just kind of to go through I suppose what it is and some of the things that you might I suppose maybe experience if you are suffering or things to look out for um, in someone else that you might be worried about. So um, anorexia basically um, is a restriction of food relative to what your body needs um, and it often leads to a low body weight, um, not always, so you can be of a normal weight and still suffer from an eating disorder, but generally speaking, um, there is very often an intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat in inverted yeah. commas. Um, and there is, I suppose, a disturbance in the way that the sufferer experiences their body weight or shape. Um, so they really place that high up on the list of things they use to, I suppose, you know, define their self-worth, their self-esteem and things like that. Um, and I think as well, there's a lot of, a lot of the time there's a denial about the seriousness of what's going on. So the sufferer can't necessarily see or doesn't accept the, you know, seriousness of their low body weight or what they're doing for themselves. Um, I suppose like the effects or the symptoms are, there's like the physical ones, so things like obviously all the things associated with like starvation. So, you know, being cold, immune systems weakened, um, loss of muscle, loss of bone mass, all these kind of things. Um, And then you have kind of, I suppose, more the psychological kind of things where you have, you know, a lot of rigid rules around eating, um, over-exercising. I think a big one for me was like the social kind of withdrawal. So you kind of pull yourself away from everyone, um, which kind of makes the whole situation worse then because it's just you and that voice in your head. Um, Yeah, so... I'll cover that more anyway when I start yeah. talking about myself but um, the other one I was going to talk with then is bulimia which is categorised by recurrent um, binge eating episodes um, and I suppose the difference here is that there's compensation so people are over exercising, they're restricting their food intake, um, they might make themselves sick, um, all these kind of things and I suppose a lot of the time that is then to prevent um, weight gain. Um, in order to be like diagnosed with bulimia and um, these need to occur um, once a week for three months um, and again there's that extreme kind of concern with body weight and body shape and that intense fear of, of gaining, gaining body weight um, so they kind of become in this trapped in this cycle whereby you know there's the restriction then there's the binging then there's the I suppose um, compensating afterwards and just kind of this vicious cycle that they get caught into um, I suppose with bulimia, you can you can have a lot of the same physical effects as anorexia. But I think because the fact a lot of sufferers are kind of making themselves sick and stuff, that can really, really um, put them at increased risk of um, kind of heart heart issues. So and um, it can upset their like electrolytes and stuff like that. So um, risk of like cardiac events is quite high. Um, you can have things like you know damage to other organs, heart, kidneys. Um, yeah, teeth is another big thing that can become damaged. Um, Yeah, so I suppose just before I pass back over to you, I think one thing just to say as well, like you said, is that like obviously outside of these four eating disorders and any of the other categories, like there's lots of ones that aren't kind of diagnosable or aren't kind of, um, yeah, don't have specific criteria. And I think it's just to say that if you are someone who falls into any of those categories, like you still deserve to get help. Like we acknowledge that there are other ways that people can be suffering outside of like the technical diagnosis. So I just think, yeah, just to acknowledge that and say that like, regardless, like if you're suffering, go get help, do you?
0: Yeah. Know? No, I, I agree, uh, and as again, it's just, you know, kind of to repeat ourselves, it is something that, it's just an awareness thing, it's like, if you're not ticking the boxes that we're talking about here, doesn't mean, you know, there isn't any issues there. If you are maybe ticking some boxes in some way, it doesn't necessarily mean you have an eating disorder, it's just, again, something that we want to just uh, bring to the, the forefront and maybe just start a discussion on it. Uh, like the next one I'm going to speak about uh, is binge eating disorder uh, and binge eating disorder is slightly different from bulimia in the sense of it doesn't have the compens- compensatory factors with it so when you're binge eating you, you might necessarily do the things that you do with bulimia like making yourself sick or taking laxatives to, to compensate for the overeating. Uh, when it comes to binge eating disorders it is like recurring episodes of eating you know, significantly more food than, than you would in a period of time. Uh, it's, it's like someone with binge eating disorder may eat too quickly even when they're not even hungry. The person may have feelings of guilt, embarrassment or disgust and may binge uh, or eat alone to hide their behaviour is, is a big one. Uh, the disorder is associated with marked distress and occurs on average at least once a week again over three months. That's just the actual you know, diagnosis uh, protocol for it. Uh, when it comes to binge eating disorder, you know again it kind of starts with that restriction. So you see this mass restriction, uh, which leads to you know, feelings of hunger, then you tend to overeat. And what happens when we do overeat then is that we feel really guilty, we feel ashamed. And then what we do, there is some sort of compensatory behaviour, we'll diet again to try and regain control. Uh, I suppose from what we know ourselves, from the little bit of you know, what we've done in our courses and we understand, is that like, you know, it's a massive, massive psychological factor, uh, plays a big, big role. Uh, and there are you know you have your full-on binge eating disorders but you can have you know kind of not as an extreme uh, like so not you can call it a disorder but I think people could relate to this binge eating protocol of like you know massively restricting themselves in a, in a weekly period Monday to Friday and then having this binge mentality as I said it mightn't be bad enough to be uh, classed as a disorder but so you know, that mentality is like it can be like a precursor and it's like we spoke about pre before we recorded the podcast like you know a lot of this stuff are just like signs and precursors. Doesn't necessarily you're gonna go into having an eating disorder, but it's just awareness of like, you know, it could spiral to that if you're not aware of what's actually happening. So that's the idea behind behind these. And so with the binge eating disorder, it does tend to be, you know, you just overeat and then you feel massively, massively guilty and ashamed for doing so. Uh, so just if that's something that happens to you, so maybe recognizing that and just maybe taking some steps to, to try and improve that. Uh, the last, one I did want to touch on. Uh, I said it's not necessarily classed as a, a full eating disorder, uh, but it's one. I think when I found out about it, when I read about it, I, I realised, like, you know, I think the fitness industry, especially, uh, it's called orthorexia, and it's it's an unhealthy almost obsession with healthy eating. Uh, and the idea behind orthorexia is that you you have to eat healthy all of the time. Like, you know, you, you, you create an obsession with you know, eating pure, healthy meals. Uh, and again, what happens where it becomes a problem is when it starts impacting your life. So you start getting stressed. If you're going for a meal out with friends and you're trying to, you're checking menus beforehand to make sure that they have what you need. If it's not there, you're getting distressed. It's, it's having a negative impact on your life because of that obsession. Like we're all for healthy eating, but again, it's like anything else. When we go too far, On one end of the scale it becomes a problem Um, like when you become consumed it's just it's an over concern that you have with healthy food and the biggest impact is that say you don't follow the plan and then again you get that guilt and that shame um, and you almost diet harder or eat healthier uh, to try and regain control again and a lot of it you'll see like we come back to is loss of control loss of feelings of control uh, and it says like for the person with uh, orthorexia like wavering, wavering from the perfect diet can lead to parents of even stricter rules around food and eating to or even periods of fasting it's going against the rules in the vorticamas commas that may contribute to feelings of guilt anxiety and shame and lead to more lead to more stringent diet behaviors so again it's one of these all for nothing all for one mentality like you know so it's like I have to eat this way all of the time. If I don't, something's wrong, you know, and then I have to try and regain control of that. So, again, it's just one of those things that it's just an awareness thing. Like the relationship with food, um, some people have okay relationships with food. Like a lot of people will have bad relationships with food. And we do really want to be clear and distinct that there's a big, big difference between having a poor relationship with food and you know maybe overeating at the weekends versus an eating disorder. They are very, very different. They're two very different aspects. Uh, so please don't kind of mix up the two. Uh, when you have an eating disorder, uh, it's something that you need to get medical help and advice from. But as Ashley would have touched on there, you know I think a big point she made before we came on was that people may have this eating disorder but they mightn't look like they have this eating disorder, so yeah. there's nothing actually done yeah. with it.
1: I think, yeah, I think that's massive. I think there's a big misconception that in order to have an eating disorder, you have to be you know, really underweight or look really sick or whatever. And I suppose like sometimes like it sounds bizarre, but sometimes I think the fact that I was underweight and did look a certain way, like I was nearly lucky in the sense that it meant that people recognized it and I got help a lot quicker. Um, I just think, yeah, I think it must be very difficult for someone in a body that looks normal to have that kind of turmoil going on in their heads, because, yeah, I think it just takes a lot longer to get help that way because yeah. you know it's easier to hide. Like you look healthy, you look well, but it doesn't mean you are.
0: And like even from uh, that point of view of the individual themselves, you know, because that individual is, a, I hate using the word, but like a healthy weight or it's you not know, is is an okay weight. It doesn't doesn't look sick. They might even think themselves that, like you know, I don't need to get help because I'm not, I I'm not anorexic, I'm not, yeah. I'm not you know, really skinny, yeah. like you know, it's not necessarily the case as as we've spoke about here, you know, mentally, like mental health is you know a big big aspect, and that's what needs to be fixed first and foremost, like you know that, that's where we need to get the help. But if you're struggling mentally in any aspect of your life, like you know, it's like when you're struggling with being underweight or someone who's morbidly obese. You will do something physically to improve that. But if you're struggling mentally, it's almost like because you can't show the person. Like I've, I've often taught this, like, you know, if you could show somebody how you're feeling, you know, in a way, it'd be unbelievable because that person would actually understand. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. there's always this barrier in every aspect. I'm not just talking about eating disorders or, or, or illnesses. It's like, you know, if you haven't been through this, then you don't know you know and that, that's hard to take like you know especially being, being a coach it's like uh, I'll go back to you know giving advice to parents for sleeping it's yeah. like who am I to give advice yeah. I don't have kids etc but it's the same as, as anything else it's like if you could understand people want to be able to tell you how they're feeling they're just almost afraid to, to say it and I think a, a big part of it is that people you will people feel like they won't understand how bad it actually is in your head Because we're really bad at communication, like really bad, every person, like you know. So it is just something to be very aware of. Like, we'll touch more on these websites at the end, but I do just want to let people know straight away there's two websites that we we spoke about there. Uh, There's an Irish one called bodywise.ie, and I'll put the the links in in with the podcast there as well. And there's Beat as well, which is a UK based one. Uh, Really, really good, informative websites, way more than we can talk about here. Uh, so that's just something we want people to check out. If it's something you just want to, to learn more about, we said the goal from this podcast is that if somebody's listening to it who feels like you know, they're heading down that route, then maybe you know, a story might help them. If you're a parent or you're a family member or friend and you recognize somebody which, you know, who might have these signs and symptoms uh, of maybe you know, heading down that path, maybe you can you know, get some help to help intervene and help that person. And that's been the, the main kind of reason why we're here. Uh, so I do really uh, want to just take a second to thank Ashling uh, a lot, because it's very brave coming on, uh, speaking about your own personal journey, and I know it's not easy for Ashling, but we do believe, like you know, by Ashling telling our story, that it may help somebody, and that's why we're doing it. Uh, so Ashling, thanks very much for telling your story. Uh, if you'd like to just let people know uh, what your story is.
1: Okay. Um, I suffered with anorexia for a massive part of my early teens and right through to my early 20s so it's really only in the last few years that I would say that I have come out the other side of it and um, you know fully recovered and you know you know back on track living my life as I kind of suppose you know I wanted to. Um, I suppose the first time I became aware of it was when I was in my junior year in school um, it kind of blindsided me I didn't actually know what was happening I'm sure people around me probably did but for me I just, had, I just had no clue. I didn't know what eating disorders were. I That's had true. never seen it. I had never mm-hmm. I'd never thought about my weight. I didn't really, you know, I just never crossed my mind that this was a thing that could happen to someone. Um, and I think the first time I really became aware of it was we were out shopping one day and I had, we tried, I picked up this pair of jeans and they were in a size that was way smaller than what I would have been before. Now I was a slim 14 year old anyway but these should have been okay and i just remember trying them on and they were literally they were like hanging off me and i think that was the moment where everything just kind of like fell in and i just had this realization of oh my god what what have you done like what is like what's happening to that kind of way Um, and i think a few days after that then i went into school and there was a teacher pulling me aside and she said it to me and she kind of was like oh you know what's going on wherever and I totally denied it like totally blew her off and um, left went home whatever but I think it was just another little nudge like of things being like something's wrong and it was kind of around that time then that I had that conversation with my mum where I was like you know we were both like something's wrong here and um, you know need to get it sorted obviously so we went about getting help then and um, it was difficult because I was still very much in denial about what exactly was happening I knew mm. something was wrong but I was in denial about what was happening and mm. um, so I think at that stage I I recovered physically I was my weight was fine but mentally like you know I wasn't I wasn't well still
0: like do you know the process from say when you I said like start to becoming aware of it yeah. uh, and you know your mum started becoming aware of it like what was the process of like the realization of okay something's wrong here what were the steps that that were taken like when you say you got help like what did that entail
1: yeah so i'm lucky i like i know i'm lucky because you know it was really quick like we were able to go privately and i know everyone doesn't have that um but i was lucky Um, basically for me it was counseling and a dietitian um, and my gp as well, so like I think the thing with eating disorders is like it's really important that people have that kind of multi kind of, almost like a team yeah. because it is it's so much like it's you know you're physically unwell but you know you're mentally unwell and everything. So yeah, I had my first port to call was my GP, um, and then I started counselling and I met the most amazing dietitian. She was lovely, um, so yeah, so I started working through that. Like I say, I was still quite resistant to changing my mindset, mm. but I did gain back the weight physically. Um, so then over the next few years, I kind of, I'm going to say it was like semi-recovered. Like I was fine. I was at a stage where I could, you know, go about my day-to-day business. Like I wasn't, you know, I definitely wasn't better in yeah. my head. Um. So then when I got to my leaving cert year again, that's when things kind of took a, another turn and I kind of relapsed back into the eating disorder. And I think that time it was worse because... I was kind of better at hiding what I was doing. I knew what I was doing this time. Um, yeah. I was very secretive, and I think that's a big thing with eating disorders is that they just thrive off the secrecy. Like, that voice in your head doesn't want anyone else to know what you're doing. Um, and it is very much another voice in your head. Like, that's what I would say it's like, it's like a constant voice in your head, just telling you, you know, you need to eat less, you need to do more, you're not good enough, you're not, it's, do- it's relentless, you mm. know? And I was looking back over Um, I kind of kept one or two diaries I would have kept at the time. Um, I didn't keep that many things from that time in my life because I just don't think it's helpful to be constantly, you know, it's good to have the reminder, but like almost every line in that diary started with the thing of like, I can't do this anymore, like I can't deal with what's going on in my head, I can't, and it's just, it's relentless, like it's like 24-7, you know, so I think, yeah, that time it was definitely more difficult because again as well when you're old you have a bit more freedom, I wasn't at home, I wasn't necessarily, you know, so I went into college and I got my first full time job, and that's really when I think I just yeah I totally like I hit rock bottom like I just totally spiraled back down. Um, how did that how
0: like when you know you went into college obviously you know being away from home gave you that sense of like you know you can do whatever you want obviously you know what what do you feel brought on you know that spiral again like and, and how how did that spiral happen as and you went from being. I know you were saying like like mentally still not 100% but like say you were physically in a position that you f- you were we'll, keep you, you can't see us using the in commas here but like you know healthy yeah like what happened what set off the college experience to and, and did you revert back to almost like where you were when you were 14, 15
1: yeah so it's funny like because I know like with these things like it's obviously like a host of different things that probably you know triggered it or whatever but like I just remember this one moment, like it was my friend's 18th birthday, and I had picked out this, like, like a bodycon skirt. So it's like, you know, like a a tight skirt (laughs) or whatever. And I remember just thinking, like, I was just like, I'm going to fit into that skirt and I'm going to look a certain way in it. And that probably wasn't what caused it, but it was just, I suppose, the point that I remember thinking, okay, now I'm going to cut down on what I'm eating so I look a certain way in this skirt. And I think, like, if you have had that kind of mindset before, even starting to diet or restrict as you know yourself probably from you know having done you know a little bit of research and stuff like that going back into that even a little bit of restriction can just kick the whole thing off again and I think because this time I was like you know I had the freedom I was doing what I wanted um yeah was
0: there was there was it you that kind of eventually raised the alarm bill or was it someone around you that raised the the alarm bill the second time around
1: there was lots of people raised lots of alarm bells. I was very much in denial. I thought I was fine. I thought I was fully in control. the voice in my head told me I was like I was in control and I felt like I was in control because I was in control of what I was doing every day. I was in control of what I was eating. I was in control of how much I was exercising. I you know and I had taken myself out of you know all those kind of social situations. I just totally withdrew into myself and yeah I honestly thought I was in control. I thought everyone else. Like I, even the doctors I was like they don't know what they're talking about like I am fine mm. like even at my sickest like I remember like the doctor being like to me like if you actually continue exercising like you are going to have a heart attack and I was like no I, what? I'm yeah. fine and I was studying nutrition at the time as well which probably didn't help because it was like my whole life was like food and you know everything mm. like that but I think ultimately yeah there was a lot of in and outs I met the most amazing counsellor and yoga teacher and I think she was someone who had been through what I had been and I think seeing someone who had come out the other side I was like okay people can actually do this because people always say oh you can recover people do recover but you never see that as being possible for yourself like as far as I was concerned I was different I was never going to be able to live without this I was never going to you know be able to live a life without my eating disorder and actually for a long time I wasn't sure I wanted to Mm. Um, but yeah so I met her and I think that just kind of started the process of me seeing, okay, this is actually possible, Um, but that went on for loads of years, like up and down, up and down, up and down. But I think the big thing for me was when I was 23, um, I was diagnosed osteoporosis. So as far as I was concerned up until then, like that was something that affected like eight year olds or 90 year olds. I'd never thought of it, but I think then I really had this kind of moment where I kind of thought, okay, you have to make a choice now. You're either going to keep going the way you're going, which is only going to end one way. Um, like, and like, it's, you know, it sounds horrible to say, but like, I was never going to win that battle. So if I would kept going the way I was going, the only way it was going to end was with me not being here anymore. And I think that's really what made me choose the other way because, you know, I just kind of made the decision then that I, I had to do something. Um, and that started then the kind of long road back to where I am now <laughs> and like you know
0: it might be hard to remember or maybe you don't want to go back there. but like you know when you were in that space of like you know you mentioned to me like the way that, that you were at one stage like you know can you remember like how you felt that if did it feel like if I get to here I'll be happy or I will look good enough or was it just was it a different mentality at all together that I ah. was, was telling you to keep dieting or you know, to not eat
1: that's a good question um I suppose. Um, I think like so. I suppose first of all, like there is just yeah, there is that thing of never good enough, never good enough, never good enough. Um, that voice in your head is just relentless, like, and it's never going to stop. You're never going to get to a point where it goes, oh yeah, we'll stop here. It's going to keep keep going. Less food, more exercise, or whatever it is for you know for that person. Um, and I see the thing is as well like the more starved your brain is the less able you're able to like the less you're able to function cognitively anyway so it's like the effects of starvation plus you know all that kind of stuff um but it's just like I mean I like I I I could never go back like it's just Mm -hmm. constant 24 7 I want to say it's like turmoil it's like just I don't know, I can't I, it's really hard yeah, to explain, no, but it's just, yeah, it's relentless, like, yeah. and it will never be happy, and I think, you know, there's a lot of competition, you know, with other people, you're constantly comparing yourself, and, you know, I think that's where social media is great, but. I think a
0: huge thing, honestly, you touched on, we won't mention that number, but I think what you said to me yesterday, when you taught me what weight you were at that, at that stage, and you said to me, I'm not going to say what that weight is in the podcast, because somebody who's in that space will actually see that number as a competition that yeah. they need to get to. and yeah. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. like, you know, that's yeah. that's coming from, like that's obviously how you saw it at the time." You yeah. know, it's like getting to there, totally, uh, which is, you know, it's eye opening to be honest. And I think yeah. it it does relate to like you know. Just the difference, I said, of where someone is mentally from from having a, an eating disorder. Uh, like it's it's called an eating disorder because it is obviously. But even from speaking to you about it and stuff, it's like it's not an it's not necessarily an eating disorder. That's like the one aspect of it that causes the physical damage. Yeah. But it's actually you know, a mental yeah. so a mental disorder that that's you know, causing yeah. you to do this thing. Yeah, you know it's I mean? not like,
1: about the food. Like yeah. I think it's very you know it's not like it's almost like the food is just what you're using to kind of you know. Like you say it's kind of the physical thing you're, you're doing yeah. you know but it's just it's definitely a mindset thing and, and it's I like
0: that with the recovery like you know as you, you again you spoke about it was like you know the physical recovery was get get you eating food like you know and it's like that's the physical side of it it's like you know but the mental side of it isn't necessarily fixed and until 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 you have you know that that solution or that that kind of problem solved and we and we said again before we do we do our best podcast before the podcast but like we spoke about beforehand and we were saying that like you know that the mental health aspect like until you have that resolved but we also spoke about it'll never be resolved it's it's kind of this constant It doesn't necessarily just go away as you said like you know you're in a we'll talk about your like how your recovery period went in a second but like you know you're still always going to have that little bit there you know that you have to be aware of and i spoke about you know when it comes to alcoholism or when it comes to any any trauma at all in your life you know there's always going to be something there but it's just going to be how you react to when that trigger comes on, I think totally. that's the big difference. It's yeah. like you know, when something sets off a trigger for you, it's like you know, do I react in regards like you know, going back into this restrictive dieting, or do I, you know, am I in a, a better place now that I'm, I'm stronger to be able to be, you know, this is how I'm going to react to this situation, not to yeah. this voice in my head. Like you yeah. know, I think that's where you're at right now. Like you know, yeah. so when you got the the got to where you got to in the point of like you're in college, and you know, you realize, fuck, I need to you know get some help again <laughs> was it the same type of help you got so you went back into the same kind of circle yeah, that help the first yeah thing?
1: so I was very lucky that the college like I was in UCC at the time um, and they just they had a really good setup there and um, I was set up with a counselor I set up with a doctor I had my own dietitian from before and yeah it was just tiny baby steps so like it's almost like It wasn't like it's not one decision to recover it's like a decision every single day every single meal every single whatever that you want to keep doing this and it is like it's one of the toughest things i have ever done and i'd say probably will ever do and because you're just fighting so hard against that voice in your head and it keeps trying to pull you back and promising you that you know it's going to be better and this is the better way to do it and you know whatever it just constantly is trying to pull you back so it's like every single day every single meal just making that decision that no like i'm taking a step further away from this and i think when you're there it's really hard because like i was saying like you don't ever feel like recovery is a place that you'll get to where it's not you know it's really hard to imagine your life being any different mm. um like yeah it's, it's it's almost like a leap of faith like you have to believe yeah that it will be better even though
0: like you don't know, You're saying it won't be, yeah, you, know, you don't
1: know. And I think, especially like, you know, with like the weight gain and stuff, like, I, what, it's terrifying. Like, I, if you had told me, like, the weight I am now is heavier than the weight I would have been when I was like first kind of recovered. Like, mm. so I got to like the minimum kind of healthy weight. And like, if someone had told me that I could be okay at the weight I am now, mm. and more than okay actually, like, yeah like no not at all but i think you just you gain so much more than weight like it's not it's not like you just gain so much like you gain your life back you know and i think i actually you know what i didn't even gain my life back because i think it's almost like you gain a place to start your life again because i had had since i was 14 i didn't know what it was like to be an adult without without it so i think i kind of yeah i gained a place to start again and I think that's where I am now, but I'm still amazing. there, still yeah. going. And was amazing. <laughs> so like on
0: recovery, uh, you spoke about like uh, definitely giving a shout out because you know, you said like uh, a big aspect. I think first of all, on the nutrition side of it, like you realise and you know now as well, like, you know, when you're nourishing your body, when you're eating food, like you perform, you feel better. And like cognitively, as you said, like, you know, your brain uses up so much energy in regards to food. So like when you're eating well, you're going to feel better mentally and physically. Uh, so that's one step that you took. Uh, which is fab but like this uh, another big aspect i think you mentioned was when you kind of you know met a trainer and that trainer was kind of you know staying on top of you in a good way uh, and has been was massively supportive and showing you you know you said something yesterday about like you know for you when you figured out you know what your body could do versus how it looked yeah was a really i was like whoa that's powerful like you know
1: yeah it is and i think as well like you know because i had spent so long not feeling strong like i didn't feel strong I didn't feel powerful I didn't feel you know any of these things and I think all of a sudden like I just yeah I think for me like obviously it's different for the people and like I also know like just to say that you know there's probably a time in your recovery when exercise might not be appropriate I spent a long time you know not exercising because it wasn't the right thing for me to do when I was sick I would have exercised compulsively I would have been you know I would've been over-exercising massively. So I think, yeah, just to realise that like, I suppose there is a stage in your recovery, that'll be different for everyone.
0: If you're using exercise as a a calorie expenditure tool to try and draw, draw, that's not, that's where you want to just, just take a check, like, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, I think you definitely have to get to the place first where you're ready, you know, and where you're physically strong enough as well. Like there's definitely a point, but yeah, no, I think for me, like, lifting weights just made me feel powerful and it gave me that feeling that like i didn't know what it felt like to feel like that and i think yeah this trainer was just amazing um and yeah he just showed me that if you fuel your body and train and you know yeah I, like you say i just kind of yeah i felt what it was like to be strong or and what's the trainer's name it, uh, it was ray buckley and Louise George was a yoga teacher, just, oh you yeah, <laughs> know I stuff. mentioned I yeah, know it's worth <laughs> giving a
0: mention to those people, uh, because I think a, b- a big part of that is like, you know, you were obviously in, as much as it was still challenging, you were obviously in the right space for that coach to be able to help you at that time, because I yes. reckon, you know, a couple of years previous, you, that mightn't have been the, the situation. 100%, like.
1: yeah, and I think that's definitely, and actually, like, I was even saying to Ram this morning, like, I was kind of talking to her, and that's what she was saying, like, it was, You know, there was always people there to help, Yeah, always. But it was just you being ready to be like, you know, yeah. Like I had countless amazing people try to help me. But I wasn't ready. I I wasn't ready for it. Um, And like I say, I think it's when I got to diagnose the osteoporosis that I kind of was like, actually, you know, now's the time. And I just gathered a group of people, like a little support team. um, You know, I had an amazing physio who again it was do you know what it's almost like you need people to not leave you alone because you want to be left alone you want them to just go away so you can keep doing what you're doing just that kind of way so you need those people to be like keep going keep going keep going you know so um yeah so
0: you're here now you're uh, a nutritionist (laughs) you're a personal trainer Uh, (laughs) like you know this is obviously like what made you take this path is it because of where you were at yourself?
1: Yeah, so I suppose the nutrition kind of came... I suppose, to be honest, the nutrition probably maybe didn't start from the right place because I wasn't in the healthiest place when I went into it in college. But I think now it's almost come full circle because now I actually, you know, I can see like I, I, I'm living that, I can see what it works. But I think, yeah, the training for me, um, I think I just, I knew how it had made me feel. And I want to be able to make other people feel like that. Like, I think if I thought that I could have the impact on people that these people who helped me had on me, (laughs) um, I mean, that would just be unbelievable. Like, and yeah, I think I just knew and I knew for ages. I knew for ages is what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't confident enough. um, I just needed a bit more time to convince myself. um, But yeah, if I can make other people feel like that, I just think. Like amazing. That's it. amazing. It's,
0: it's a good. It's a good way to want to, to live and, and, and to, and to walk. Like it gives that sense of purpose. Like you know, and I think like from uh, listening to Ashton's story, like it's amazing that that she shared it. I suppose, if there was, I'm putting you on the spot, I know obviously, but like if if there was advice you would give to somebody who's listening to this who might be in that space or you know might be heading into that space, like what what would you say to them?
1: If you can speak to someone like just speak it because I think like I say like that mindset thrives off you know the secrecy and not telling anyone and kind of you know pulling away from people so I think if you can talk to someone whoever it is like someone you trust even if it is like calling one of these you know helplines on the websites you mentioned if it's your mom if it's anyone um, just yeah just talk to someone I mean my mom and my sister like they were you know the people who I know I had all these help from other people, but they were the people that were there, you know, all the time. Um, Yeah, what else would I say? I suppose like I could just say to them like, you can do it, like you can. I know it seems so far away and I know it seems like something that you, you know, can't see for yourself right now, but just that like, yeah, you can get there. um, You deserve to get there regardless of what your, you know, your mind is telling you. And yeah, like we need you here. We need you to get better. And yeah, we just have so much more to give than, a life spent you know like that it's That's just brilliant.
0: yeah thanks very much uh, i just and one other small thing to touch on is like you know and, and we spoke with this yesterday and but like we said again we're staying trying our best to stay within our scope of practice mm. like you know uh how do families deal with somebody who's uh you know in that headspace or in that space and it's not advice we're comfortable to give to be honest but it is something that we would say like you know the families are going through it as well uh, so like again, if you're a family member or who's going through it already, like seek help, seek yeah, advice, like, you know uh, there there is resources out there. Uh, so just like you're not alone either Like you know uh, and it's important. I think when it comes to any problem in life, I think when you realize a lot of time you think your problems are your problems alone, uh, but you realize almost every problem someone else has had or is having yep. and it just creates that support network that's like, okay, it's not just me. Uh, people have been through this problem, people have come out the other side of this problem. And that again can show you that there is light at the end of the tunnel, like you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's uh, something we really wanted to, to speak about uh, and we wanted to cover. Uh, there are the are two, two websites, again, just are bodywise.ie uh, and beat. Uh, they are just like we found like, lots of information there. Uh, it's, it's a topic that I said we could have skimmed over uh, because it's sensitive and we wanted to stay within our scope of practice uh so we do hope it helped uh if you have anything to add Ashley?
1: um no I think I think that's it um yeah. and yeah like we say just you know don't be afraid to ask for help because people are willing like people are willing they're there to help you um so I think yeah if you do feel like you know it's something you're struggling with then as soon as you feel like you can I think definitely just speak to someone
0: thanks a million guys for joining in on the podcast we really hope you uh, enjoyed it if you feel it's something that was helpful uh, please give it a share or send it to somebody uh, who might find it somewhat helpful I do honestly want to thank Ashling uh, for telling her story it takes a, a, a lot of bravery to do something like that uh, so thank you Ashling. Um,